0: ryan Rising. I am your host, Leonard O'Neill. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or good morrow. Depending on where in the world you are tuning into the show. Share this out, share this out, share this out. Welcome everybody. It's Friday night. What are we doing? Alien interview. Part eight. Part eight. If you guys missed anything prior to this, you should go back and listen. And it's in the description, right? The Roswell incident, we now know was an incident covered up by the american government they said it never happened it was a weather balloon none of us ever bought that right but we but that's what they said so this woman who was the nurse and if you guys have done any investigating you remember her or hearing about her reading about her some of us did so we were always interested in this nurse and we could never talk to her and then she talked to one reporter and eventually reese welcome lenore welcome i saw you in there dennis welcome i see you guys out there if you guys say hi i know you're there if you don't speak i don't know you're there. Right? I can just see count of how many people per second per second are here. That doesn't necessarily mean that you stay. There are people here all the time. They come and they go. Sometimes people start and then they leave. Okay, so the alien spaceship crashed or was shot down. There's some speculation about that because they were saying that the American government had a particle beam weapon and we were doing just that. To get a hold of ProCure and reverse engineer, back engineer, they say officially reverse engineer, their technology. Uh, and see what they could get out of these aliens. So this alien is a female. She she sees herself as a female, and she's inside of a doll body, basically a bio suit, because she is actually light and she is, is not a corporeal form like we are. But she's here in the three D reality and she's able to function here because she's inside of this this uh, bio suit. Okay, and she communicated with this with this uh, person now. I wanna um, talk about last week slightly because there was something that bothered me greatly uh, and I rewound it just a bit. There's only a couple of minutes uh, or a minute or two from where we ended at the going into chapter eight. So I backed it up a little bit because I, I looked this up because it bothered me. Uh, and I had said, and I've been saying all along that I believe Errol the alien is pulling a fast one on uh, everybody that she's uh, that is getting this information. In that, she keeps asking for all these books, and I use the term uh, "Verbal Kent" because that was the the scenario in the movie um, "The Usual Suspects." Kevin Spacey played a character they called Verbal Kent, and um, and he was being interrogated by uh, Cheryl. Welcome. He was being interrogated by the uh, by the uh, FBI. And you come to find out at the end of the movie that he was looking around the room and he was getting all the information that he needed to spin lies to the FBI to keep them talking because he knew that he was going to be let out of jail soon. And they were trying to stall because they were trying to find where this character, um, um, uh, what was his name? I just had it in my head, um, Keen. right? Is that what his name was? Give me a second and I'll remember it. Dean Keaton. They were looking for Dean Keaton. And then they got onto this this legendary um crime boss that nobody's ever seen and he's like a ghost and his name is Kaiser Sose and they're trying to wring all information they can get from verbal because he's the only person that was alive that survived this fiasco and I'm not going to give everything away because it was one of the greatest movies ever made uh re- seriously okay so but he was stalling for time and you don't know this until the end of the movie when they realize he was stalling for time the whole time because he knew he was going to get Uh, Released, And so he didn't want to give them any information because if he gave, turned over any information about Kaiser Sose, Kaiser Sose would murder him, would kill him, no matter where he would be, he'd be hunting him down for the rest of his life and kill him. So he was stalling and wouldn't give any information, but he was telling the story of what happened. And they believed, the FBI believed that, that Dean Keaton was Kaiser Sose. And verbal wouldn't roll over on him. And what he was doing was this. He was taking all the information off of the bulletin board around him, any sticker, anything where they have up there, wanted posters and different things that you have in an office, every single word he was using to make up a scenario that was, he was telling the story and spinning a yarn. Okay. Now I claim that Errol is doing the same thing. Okay. And I'm going to show you, because last week at the end of chapter seven, which were, I remind a little bit, she had made a comment talking about talking about uh, moses and wh- when moses lived and whose house he lived in and he claimed that it was it was um Nefert- nefertiti who was the mother of king tut and i said no that's not right because and I said, I think they had the same name, which I was getting confused. So I looked it up, right? So I said it was Ramses the second who was who chased Moses, and it was his father, uh, and his father before him was was um wasn't Ramses the second, it was something the third. Okay, so I looked it up, and it's it was exactly what I thought. Okay. Moses was in fact. Uh, chased by Ramses II. And Ramses II's wife was Nefertiri, who was in love with Moses. But not to be mistaken for Nefertiti, who was the mother of King Tut, or the other way around. One is Nefertiri and one is Nefertiti. So I'm going to play it for you. And, uh, and this shows that she has no idea about history, and she reads this book uh, somewhere about Egyptian history, and somehow she gets the two names mixed up and gives Moses a different background, which would have put him further back in time than his character or maybe further forward in time. I don't have that timeline of when when exactly those two paths didn't cross, but when they both happened in history, and I didn't look that up, but we'll play it for you, so let me play this, this is literally just like in the middle of this paragraph right here, but as we go to the next page, because they're talking about slaves here, as they go to the next page, they talk about Moses, the slave, uh, the slave master, right, that's what she refers to him as, so she's getting information that is 1947 quality information, because back then they might have thought that Nefertyria and Nefertiti were the same person. But even at the time the movie was out that Charlton Heston was in where it was, she was Nefertiti and he was Ramsey's the second. Okay. So she didn't see the movie, but she read history and, and she got it wrong. So she's talking as if she knows as a matter of fact, and it's made up, it's wrong. She's absolutely wrong. So this is uh, again, my, my showing this because her credibility in my mind is crap. However, I do not say that this is not an alien that she's speaking to. I believe this is. But what I believe is that this alien's trying to paint herself, her people, in a grandiose light and not darkness when she's showing us that they are atheists. They don't believe in any higher power than themselves. They believe they are the gods uh, and that we, everyone who is alive, is a god. Well, in some sense, we are because we are actually the spark. We are actually, and that's just, this is what we're starting to realize now here on Earth, okay? That in some sense, when we get to a higher, higher self, we do then become one with the one true creator. But they claim there is no one true creator, that that was a lie propagated to keep control of the people here. She said that just recently, and that's where she's talking about slaves, because she's claiming that slaves... Uh, will agree to that and just live by that. And she's, she's so, uh, assuming that all slaves are submissive, again, wrongfully so. That's, a, that's an arrogant um, attitude from somebody who's a slave owner. They're slaves. That's all they know. That's all they are. Do you see? So she's very prejudiced in her thinking and the way she speaks about slaves. Not that you have free will. Not that you, you're a slave. And you're compliant because you're a slave, because that's your nature as a slave. Do you see? So she's saying that all slaves don't have any fight in them whatsoever, which is just not true, unless it's that way in the rest of the universe. It's not true on this planet, because we have to keep them at gunpoint to be slaves. And even then, sometimes they escape and over overrun their slave masters and get out. Or they vote liberal and make sure that they just get let out for no apparent reason. Oops. And the Republicans don't do anything to stop it. Oops, why is that? Both want chaos because both want power, right? So what you need to understand, and this is all I'm going to say about politics, is that in this political day and age, you have people on the far right, which is the far right conservative side, and the far left, which is the far liberal or or progressive side. And those two people are agreeing. You think that they are complete polar opposites, just like you think that love and hate are polar opposites. But the line between love and hate is is your uh, is your anger level or your envy level. When you love someone, you can love someone so much that you will stalk them and be obsessed with them. That's the same as what a person does with hate. So you have to understand that the, the far right wing and the far left wing are are literally back to back. They're at the end of the side of the circle. They're back to back. One can switch to become the other very quickly you understand and if you don't then you don't know geopolitics but i understand that so those two people are one in most minds of people who understand how politics work they're forever government they're forever power they're forever control that's what they're about they're greedy and they're evil and then you have people that are more towards the center which is where the population of the planet is we're all in the center somewhere uh you know just maybe slightly left or right of the center but we're all pretty much moderate okay okay And that's where most people believe they are and they know that unless you are an ultra right or an ultra left. And if so, you're either in service to yourself or you're in service to yourself. Because only those people are the ones who gravitate away from the center. People who are in the center want to help one another and they want to help people and they want to help the planet. If you don't, you're about power. And you don't care how you get it. And then your choice at that point is you either go to the conservative side or you go to the to the you know to the progressive side. Right now, the progressive side is the strongest. So the people on the other side are smaller, but they're still the same power and control. And they never, they never do anything against the other group. You don't see that happening even now. Whereas Mitch McConnell. In the outrage over everything that's going on in Afghanistan, he's silent. Why? Because he's a forever government guy. His attitude towards the people is the same as the Marxist attitude of the Marxists that are in control of the Democratic Party right now. He just doesn't say it out loud because he's a conservative. He hides it. Otherwise, he would be be, uh, condemning all of this stuff, and he's not. He's condoning it. if you don't come out and talk about something against something when you know that it's wrong, that means you're okay with it. You're complicit in some way. That means you feel that you're going to get a benefit uh, in some way. Otherwise, you would come out and, and condemn it because it's horrific what's going on over there and how we left all those people behind to die. Now, that's my that's my perch for today. Okay, so let me play this and you'll see and we'll talk about what she talks about. So let's go ahead and get this started over here.
1: Utter unwillingness to take responsibility for one's own power. The old empire priests managed to corrupt the concept of the individual immortality into the idea that there is only one all-powerful Isbe, and that no one else is or is allowed to be an Isbe. Obviously this is the work of the old empire amnesia operation.
0: So at this point, this is where she's basically saying everything that you think you believe is already against you. That If you're an atheist, it was part of their plan. If you follow Jesus, it's a lie. If you follow any kind of Christianity or any kind of religion that says a monotheistic God, there's only one true God, that's a lie that was created. So basically she's saying every religion on the face of your earth is all a lie, and you have nothing. Nothing you have no idea how the universe works and there's and everything you think you know is completely a lie you have no hope that's that's what she's saying right there okay and you may not hear her saying that but that's well that's how crushing that information would be to you if you actually believed it you would be like then there's nothing we got nothing then i have nothing i have nothing to hold on to there is no god there is no gods there is nothing only people my slave masters now you've now you've sat down just like she just gave you the suggestion a minute ago that slaves sit down and they're compliant always. She planted that in your mind as a hypnotic suggestion and then backed it up with, oh, and by the way, everything you think you know about every religion is made up by us. Oh, I'm sorry, the old guard, not us, the bad guys. We're the good guys, but we're not here to save you. We're here to leave you enslaved. She doesn't say that out loud either, but she never once says, we can help you in any way.
1: It is easy to teach this altered notion to beings who do not want to be responsible for their own lives. Slaves are such beings. As long as one chooses to assign responsibility for creation, existence, and personal accountability for one's own thoughts and actions to others, one is a slave. As a result, the concept of a single monotheistic God resulted and was promoted by many self-proclaimed prophets, such as the Jewish slave leader Moses, who grew up in the household of the pharaoh Amenhotep III, and his son Akhenaten,
0: and his wife Nefertiti. Okay, see, so that's where he's wrong, or where she's wrong. She's saying, she's basing it on Nefertiti. Nefertiti is the mother of Tutankhamun, and Imhotep III, and his son Akhenaten. That is actually right, okay? But Moses did not live in that house, and he was not, uh, you know, stepbrother to Akhenaten. Because if you go by the story, he was raised as the second son, and the firstborn son was Ramses II, and his father was Seti the third. That's who it was. Okay, so it wasn't it wasn't Imhotep the third. It was Seti the third or Seti the second, and his son was, was Ramses the second, and his wife was not Nefertiti. It was Nefertiri. So she got that information wrong right here and misconstrued or 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 you know uh, uh, mistakenly took Nefertiri. As Nefertiti, which means she didn't read her books properly or the book that she had written had misinformation or wrong information that the author of the book mistook Nefertiti for Nefertiri. But I looked it up because I knew in my mind, Jacob, welcome. What's up, my friend? Jacob Waters is in the house, guys. If you see Jacob right here, Jacob has his own podcast. He's a buddy of mine. And I've been on his podcast, and I need to get back on his podcast. I need to have him on my podcast. And he does a show on Thursday, I'm sure. And I think there's another day that you go. Thursday, you're on all the time with Miguel, right? with the Pena um, perspective. And I know that you do another show regularly and then you do shows whenever like I used to do whenever you can schedule them. So you guys should take a look at Jacob Waters, go to go click on his uh, thing here. And if you're going to YouTube, you can go there and, sus- and subscribe to his, uh, his podcast podcast. Cause he's got a lot of good information that, that he's putting out there. Right. And so, so she mistook, Nefertiti for Nefertiri, which means either the book was wrong, like I said, because the information in 1947 was completely different than what we know now. So Moses did not grow up with the father of, of Tutankhamun. The woman, Nefertiti, if it, if the woman that he was with was Nefertiri, and she was in love with him. And wanted him, but he decided to out himself when he found out that he was actually a Hebrew slave. And, of course, Ramses II was happy about that because he knew that, in fact, Moses was going to end up being Pharaoh. Right? And so he hated Moses. That's why he tried to persecute him afterwards and chased him and the whole thing. You can read all that in the history books or the Bible. So she's wrong here. And she's using this, and no one caught it back then because people were very ignorant. It was just, you know, that same year was the next year, 1948. When, when they discovered Tut's tomb. So they didn't know much. So this might be information that we knew in 1947. So this shows that this woman, an alien, who's supposed to be far more advanced than we are, has no prior knowledge to the history of our planet whatsoever than what she's getting from the books. And she's putting the two together wrongfully, saying that Moses, when she's talking about the slaves, Moses, who grew up in the household of the Pharaoh. Imhotep III and his son, Akhenaten, and his wife, Nefertiti, as well as his son, Tutankhamun. Those people did exist, but it was about a thousand years difference between when Moses was alive and when they ruled. And she doesn't realize that. And the girl doesn't. But there are footnotes here that I don't have access to, 104, 105, 106, 107. I don't have access to her. 103, 104, and 106, and 107. I don't see one, 105. I, so it might be that they discovered that and they put the footnotes in there showing that this is wrong and that this is the, the you know the correction. I don't know because I don't have access to that. All right, let's continue. But I, I wanted to show you guys and tell you guys. I looked that up because it was bothering me. Because when they said Nefertiti, I was like, you know, there was Nefertiri and Nefertiti and I think I, that And I said that on the show. I think that their names were very similar and she got it wrong. So I looked it up. It drove me nuts. I looked it up. I'm like that. I'm a nerd. I'm a hippie. I just don't have the long hair right now. (laughs) Yeah. She read too many books way too fast. Right. Right. Una, Welcome. Welcome. So, yeah, she read the books too fast. She skimmed through them. She didn't, she didn't really take it in. Somehow she made that mistake. It's a tell. Right. It's a tell that nobody caught. I don't hear the, unless you know, like I said, the footnotes, maybe the author of this part said, oh, look, I looked that up and she was wrong, but that's because we have a perspective from the 21st century, 22nd century, really. Right. (laughs) <laughs> I Clark, Yeah, you, what you missed was you were here last week, so we went over the uh, the stuff. I right now I was talking about the the stuff that where they messed up. Where Errol the alien says, and it's on the screen, you can see that. Where Moses lived during the time of Imhotep the third with uh, Akhenaten and Nefertiti and um, Tutankhamun, and that's not true. When Moses was there and that whole thing happened, it was it was Ramses II. Was his. Brother or stepbrother, the father was Seti the Third, Ramses the Second, and it was Nefertiri who married Ramses the Second, and their firstborn son died because of the of the Green Death during the plague. Right. That whole thing, when Jesus, when Mo, Moses said, God's going to rain down on you, and he gave all these seven plagues, and then, you know, uh, Ramsey said, go kill the firstborn of the of all the Hebrew, and that happened to all of the, because of God's wrath, happened to all of the, the uh, Egyptians instead. And that's what pissed off Ramses II, because his son died, and that's when he wanted to kill Moses, and they chased him across the Red Sea, the Reed Sea, not the Red Sea. We found out now it's the Reed Sea. He chased him across the Reed Sea, uh, and eventually the, the, you know, the water were held back and then crashed down and killed everybody, and Moses and all the Egyptians got away. Only to wander in the desert for 40 years until every single Egyptian who was alive at the time of the Exodus was dead, except for Moses, his brother, his wife, and his sister. And then, when they got to the land of milk and honey, God, in His infinite wisdom, decided not to allow the, uh, did not to allow Moses to go in there, and he had to go out in the desert and die. Yeah, it, yeah but the, If you look it up, um, uh, it is the Reed Sea, not the Red Sea. There's a there's a discrepancy in there. And once you follow, if you follow the pattern on the map that they where they went, and they described where they went. You come to find out, it's not the Red Sea it's the it's the reed sea and it's it's the, it's a smaller uh yeah with the mana right mana mana depends on how you say it um it's the reed sea that parted not the red sea and and um, that's where they went across and you can find that on if you listen to what and read it in the bible you can track it with a map and find out that it wasn't the red sea we've discovered that in like 2012 or 2015 that it was in fact the reed sea i'm a nerd i, I learned this stuff and i remember it my mind's like a steel trap nothing in and nothing out <laughs> well what there's a good question let's go into that una says what do you think the mount mounto was well I've seen the studies where they tried to rebuild the machine. Uh, some people said it was unleavened bread uh, that was that was that they call mana or mana. It depends on your your uh, you know how you talk about you know your uh, accent and where you were learned whether it was Easter or Western philosophical thought. So one says mana, the other one says mana. It's still the same thing, right? Now, according to uh, the people who tried to put the machine together that they had, the machine would have been making a sea kelp not uh, unleavened bread and that was what they supposedly carried around in the ark of the covenant it was in fact artifacts and same things like that but the machine they had in there which fed them right white gold see i'm thinking ormus i'm thinking the same thing right white gold um white gold is is mana and that's what you you get from when you make ormus or armies right Um, that's what you get is the white gold and that is you can you, you know if you use that say to make your bread with, mix with flour and eat that, um, you could sustain your life on it. It gives you all kinds. Of make Ormus. And I use their, the Egyptian uh, Cleopatra's um, uh, formula to make it, right? I do. I use that ancient formula from the Egyptians to make it. And it's very simple to make And it. it only takes, you know, three products, water, salt, and, and um, um, sodium carbonate, not sodium bicarbonate but sodium carbonate but you could take sodium bicarbonate and cook it and and get the and get the uh, um, carbonation out of it become sodium carbonate you just have to uh, you know know how to mix those together and i was talking one time on air and half the people in the crowd wanted the recipe and i ended up off air giving everybody the recipe i don't know how to do it it's actually really really simple so yeah either way it was it was the manna it was the white gold it was you know and, and they say and now this is talking about the aliens again where you know they claim yeah alchemy yes um, they claim that yeah, I am a I'm a, I'm an alchemist. I'm not a I'm not a really really proficient uh, alchemist, but I have gone actually to school for it. And a buddy of mine who is and has a and has a, a, a book uh, you know written in in uh, and his you know tours of the world. He was surprised at the stuff that I knew and I knew things that he didn't know. And, and so he was giving me recipes and I was giving him recipes. We were exchanging <laughs> recipes of alchemy and he was like, Whoa, where did you learn that? I'm like, Hey, you pick things up, bro. I, I had to go to school for chemistry uh, because I was actually a pool and spa operator at one point, which I could have started my own company. So I had to be certified in the United States of America. So I was certified for 10 years. Um, and, and I still know how to do all that stuff. I'm just not certified anymore. Cause you have to take a test every 10, every five years to get recertified, but I was certified. You could look me up on, on the, in the database in the United States that, you know, for, for that. And then I, ha- cause I had to be, because the chemicals that I had, I could blow the whole world up with. Right. I mean, look what that, you know, when was that a year or two ago when they had all that ammonium nitrate in that, in that building over there in the, in the, in the East and it blew the entire peninsula up. That's how volatile ammonium nitrate is and that's we call that soda ash here right it's ammonium nitrate it's fertilizer <laughs> that's what that's what timothy Tim mcveigh used to blow up the the building he blew up which is fertilizer right so we then you take the fertilizer and you freeze dry and it turns into ash we call that soda ash and that's ammonium nitrate and if you take that stuff and you mix it with any accelerant anything you know you take a drop of of coca-cola and drop it on a, a little a spoonful of it it'll blow up Blow the spoon up and leave a dent in the ground. If you take, you know, um, things like uh, muriatic acid and sodium hyperchlorite, you mix those together the wrong way and you get mustard gas. Kills everybody downwind. Ormus doesn't have a taste. It tastes like paste. It it really only tastes like the sodium carbonate that's in there. uh, If you do it right, because you take all the salt out of it. If you do it right, you take the salt out. It doesn't taste fishy. uh, And uh, it just tastes like... um, like a chalk with no flavor it's that consistency where you get that paste in your mouth um, but it has no flavor so normally what everybody does when we take it is we mix it with something because if you mix it with something acidic it, it charges the the manna even more so we would take it with a orange or a lemon uh, you know a juice something like that to something even a um, grape or a or a, a you know something that's a little bit tart right uh, my birthday is next Friday. Yes, does it say on? It probably says on Facebook that it's now. It is. It's Friday. Yeah, next Friday, a week from today, the tenth. I will be fifty-four. Thank you for for um seeing that. <laughs> yes, <laughs> next Friday. And also, I'll i probably be on air. I don't think I'm doing anything that particular day on my birthday. My family is talking about doing it a different day because uh, a couple of my family members have to. Uh, yeah, the tenth. A couple of my family members have to uh, work on that Friday, so. We're going to do it so i will be on the air next week okay so i know we're getting kind of away from thing but i mean that was a good question because it dealt with the exodus and the food that they ate so i'm not sure because i've heard the theory that it was sea kelp that they made which was charged with the same um uh, energies but when you make the the ormus it's actually uh, you know, they, they say talking about people coming down here and invading uh, aliens and making sure you know we, we were a slave laborers for gold. I don't believe they were going after yellow gold. That's everywhere, man. That's everywhere. I think they were trying to get the salt water uh, and and the, you know for, to make ormus because there's only two salt waters on the planet that you can make ormus out of. All the rest of them are too polluted, uh, and even the one that's the best one for you doesn't make. Ormus by itself I'm going to have to try it because I've heard that theory. So you have Himalayan sea salt and they say Himalayan sea salt you can't make Ormus out of, but you can take all the goodness of the Himalayan sea salt and add it and I've done this where you take the it's a dead sea salt it has to be from the dead sea, okay? And um, that's that's the best the only other sea salt is uh, in Atlantis or I'm sorry, in Antarctica underground there's a big underground ocean that is not frozen there. And in that water is the purest seawater known to humankind because it's been covered by ice and not polluted for a hundred thousand years or so. okay? So the salt procured from there would be the the or the water procured from there would be the perfect water uh, and it's rare. Right, And then the other is the Dead Sea, but the Dead Sea salt is, it does have some impurities. That's why we refine it into the Dead Sea salt instead of taking the salt water, and we use uh, purified water or distilled water or spring water, which is naturally distilled. And then you add the salt back to that and reconstitute the seawater without any impurities. And then I've added the uh, pink Himalayan salt to the Dead Sea salt in that mixture, and it does yield more cake by doing so all the salt drops out right into the water and all other elements that are in the salt and the crystalline structure of the salt drops out into the container okay and and how that happens is the sodium carbonate is an accelerant and when you put it in the water with the sea salt it raises the ph level to to a 10 almost 11. 11 is too much it gets to about 10 and a half and then uh, all of the elements drop out of the salt into the water and in the, and the salt, the salt itself goes back into just the water. And then you drain that, right. And you wash it. So what you're doing is you drain off the the seawater and it's really salty. And, you know, you have to use a hose, a siphoning hose to get it going. And so you're like, whoop, you spit it out, super salty. The, and you do that three different times, right. Once a day for three days or until you have all of the, a salty taste out of the water and what you have left over is this white cake which it will be if you do it right you say you put in the the uh, um, sodium carbonate and it's only about an inch thick at the bottom and then you stir it up if you do it right you'll end up with like a three or four inch cake of of stuff left and that's the manna then you could take that and dry it and put it in a, a flour and cook it right you could do anything with it at that point right? I keep it uh, slightly moist and I take a tablespoon of it and I, and I throw it in a cup and I mix it with a, with something citrus flavored and then drink it. And it's crazy. You got to be careful. You got to start small, like with a teaspoon, if you ever try it until you find out what your body has to say. Okay. So that was a great question. We also, like I said, we know that she made the mistake and said, Nefertiri, Melissa, welcome. I see you there in the chat. How are you doing today? And um, so it was a mistake. She said Nefertiti and assumed that that was when Moses lived when, in fact, the person that was with Moses in that, in that time period was Nefertiri, not Nefertiti. And so it was not Imhotep III, not Akhenaten, not Nefertiti, and not Tutankhamun. There was a thousand years or so in between those, those two uh, events, right? And so it was, so it was in fact... Ramses the II, Second, Seti the Third, Ramses the Second. His wife was Nefertiri, and she was in love with Moses and wanted to marry Moses and wanted to be his wife and wanted Moses to be the pharaoh. So, Errol the alien got that wrong. All right. So let's continue.
1: As well as his son Tutankhamun.
0: So here's where we actually left off last week. And this is that I'm doing this for the people who are listening on MP3 file because they don't have the, the visuals. So that's the end of Chapter 8, Part 1. We're going to Chapter 8, Part 2 now. Again, I say that for the those people who don't have visuals because they're listening on the MP3 broadcast.
1: As a result, the concept of a single monotheistic God results.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So she, you are saying the timeline is off by maybe what, 1400 years? Yeah. <laughs> it's like 1400 years off. Right. So obviously Errol doesn't know she's reading it from a book. And like I said earlier, either the person who wrote the book got it wrong. And we discovered after that because it was 1948 when we actually discovered Tut's tomb. So it was a year after this interview happened that we actually discovered the tomb. So let alone the timeline. So So the timeline might have been written in history wrong in 1947. Right. It might have been actually wrong. Either way, she doesn't know anything. And yes, I believe, yes, Melissa, Orion, I believe, is the old empire. Right? I do believe that. Oh, that's why That's why I, my show's called Orion Rising. That's why my book's called Orion Rising, because I'm sent here from Orion to help defeat the Orion Crusaders. And that's the old empire. Yes. And the new empire is where she's from. Uh, and she calls the, you know, the, whatever she calls it, I forgot what she calls it. And that, I believe that's the Pleiadian. Yeah. Yeah. Arrow had a doll body, what, what we would call a doll body because it was kind of like that. Yeah. It was basically a, a bio suit that she, um, was the inside of making it work. Yeah. Uh, so that's, I mean, that's kind of cool, right? I mean, but it's kind of crazy. So, and no, I'm not evil. I'm that's, I'm, there's not, you know, everywhere you look in the universe, you have good and evil. So everybody thinks that because of uh, raw warned of the Orion crusaders that everybody from Orion has to be evil. And I'm like, where'd you guys get that? Raw never said that Raw's people are from the Orion Nebula. If you read the six books, which if you don't, you, know, you can go back and listen to my show for the last two and a half years, because I did every Friday night on the law of one. Didn't say that everybody from Orion was evil. They were from Orion. Right. And they're not evil. Yeah. So, but you know, the people who are the ones who are the old guard, they are evil. They're working with the Draco. It's the Orion crusaders, the Draco, uh, the grays, a couple of the different groups of the grays. And, and, um, I think there's another, another race, but I'm not sure which one. Right. And I know that the Aryans and the blue avians, they're part of the the coalition that that has no name or they, you know, call it the council of 10 or the council of nine or, or the council of Venus. Um, and that's where I'm attached to is the Council of Venus with the councils down here on the planet that came to the planet to be born here in this avatar to help people from this side. Because evil very rarely, like one in a billion, it would come back and re redescend and be born into this place because you get mind wiped when you do that. Uh, what was in the bio suit making it work, it was tuned to her frequency. Each one of us, our soul, your immortal soul, vibrates at a certain frequency. Your body does, that. this avatar that you're involved in or that you're attached to, also vibrates at a certain frequency. You can change that vibration, and you do. As you ascend, your vibration changes constantly, but you, when you're at a certain level, it's set at that level. So the bio suit was set up so that only her um, soul could occupy it. It was the same with the, the spacecraft that she was in. The ship itself was in tune to her and the two pilots. Uh, and only they could control the ship because the ship was basically a bio suit as well. Right? So that was talked about in, in earlier episodes. So if you go back and watch episode, you know, we're on eight now, so go to episode one, two, three, four, or five, six, or seven, and it's early on. She explains that about the biosuit she's in and the spaceship that she was flying. Um, I mean, she, there's no backup and there's no cross-examination, but that's what she claims. Now, I have no way of of saying that that doesn't work because she wouldn't let us cross-examine, right? So we have to take her out of word that what she was saying there was true. She has to tell some truths for us to believe the lies. That's how the devil has to speak to you. The devil has to tell many truths with, a, you know, or many lies with a few truths. So they have to tell you some truth to get you to buy into their story and, and trust them, and then they hit you with a lie. That's what she was just doing with the whole slave labor thing literally saying, you know, you guys don't have any hope and that slaves are always mindless and just sit down. That's their nature, right? And it's not true at all.
1: Okay, let's continue here. exalted and was promoted by many self-proclaimed prophets, such as the Jewish slave leader Moses, who grew up in the household of the pharaoh Amenhotep III, and his son Akhenaten, and his wife Nefertiti, as well as his son Tutankhamun. The attempt to teach certain beings on earth the truth that they are themselves, Isbis was part of a plan to overthrow the fictional, metaphorical, anthropomorphic panoply of gods created by the old empire, mystery cult called the Brothers of the Serpent, known in Egypt as the Priests of Amun. They were a very ancient, secret society within the old empire. The pharaoh Akhenaten, was not a very intelligent being and was heavily influenced by his personal ambition for self-glorification. He altered the concept of the individual spiritual being and embedded the concept in the sun god Aten. His pitiful existence was soon ended. He was assassinated by Maya and Paranepher, two of the priests of Amun or Amen, which the Christians still say who represented the interests of the old empire forces. The idea of one God was perpetuated by the hero leader Moses while he was in Egypt. He left Egypt with his adopted people, the Jewish slaves. While they were crossing the desert, Moses was intercepted by an operative of the old empire near Mount Sinai. Moses was tricked into believing that this operative was the one God through the use of hypnotic commands, as well as technical and aesthetic tricks, which are commonly used by the old empire to trap izbis. thereafter.
0: Now, I want to stop right there, okay, because you have to remember that this information that we're listening to right now has only recently come to light. There's a reason I'm saying that and the reason why I'm stopping here. And Those of you who have read The Law of One might remember that. There's a reason for me to, to tell you this. This information didn't hit our uh, the world until like 2015, 2016. Might even be closer to now than that. I don't know exactly when this was first published. I had never found it or read it until I was given this by somebody who gave this, this was passed around, by from somebody to somebody and they, they gave it to me and I was like, what? I need to listen to this. And they knew a lot of this. And I was like, maybe this came out before. And then I realized that it hadn't. <coughs> Pardon me. And then I realized it hadn't. Now, why is that important? Because of what she just said. Okay. The idea of one God was propagated by the Hebrew leader Moses while he was in Egypt. He left Egypt with his adopted people, the Jewish slaves. While they were crossing the desert, this is the important part, Moses was intercepted by an operative of the old empire near Mount Sinai. Okay, why is that important? In the law of one, in the first book of the law of one, they talk about Moses and his concept of God, and the Ten Commandments, and his meeting with the burning bush. And Ra warns that Moses was tricked by the Orion Crusaders, and that when they gave the Ten Commandments, saying, look, an all-knowing, all-seeing, all-loving God, who has given you complete free will, would not come down to earth and say to you, thou shalt not this, thou shalt not that, Thou shalt not this, because you have total free will. So the Ten Commandments were a trick. And the one God, the one true God with the name Yahweh, right, was also introduced then. But at that point, this is where, and this is where I agree with what Errol is saying, Because at that point, it was one monotheistic God, and he was teaching that only God has all of that power, and the rest of us are beneath God. That's the caste system, where you have one person in charge, and everybody else is beneath that person. That is where they twisted the as below, so above, as within, so without, to the as above, so below that people believe it is now, and as without, so within showing that there is a God who is creating everything and a God who everything is is designed by that God. And so you are a reflection of that God. That is true in some form. That's why the lies work, because you have to tell many truths with a small lie. There is only one true creator of the universe, and that is the collective consciousness of all of us. We are that creator. We're a piece of that creator. And, you know, go back now, they couldn't have known this when they wrote the law of one in 1984, 1981, between 1981 and 1984 was it took place. They didn't know this information. This information wasn't known then, but yet this information was written down in 1947 and did not see the light of day. So this information that's coming to us wasn't something that that guy manufactured after reading the law of one. Do you understand? This information is all the information that was given to him by this woman. So now you have aliens being channeled through a person in 1981 telling you the same story that an alien who was communicating through telepathy sitting next to a woman in 1947 told. And those stories are 80 years apart. And neither one of them had any cross correlation or cross pollination. This is the stuff that the scientist, the hippie in me, looks for for validation as time goes. And I've mentioned that on my show before when I was doing The Law of One. And I've mentioned it here where other things bothered the CIA when they were interviewing aliens, when they supposedly weren't interviewing any aliens, according to them, by the way, that the aliens were very spiritual. Not all of them. They were noticing but didn't understand that some of the aliens were in service to others and some of the aliens were in service to self, even the greys. They weren't catching that. They weren't smart enough to understand that. And when I was listening to how each was treating the humans, you had one alien who was famous for making people die, like popping them like a balloon. Not literally where they like exploded, but he would just look at them and with his thoughts, they would just drop dead. And he laughed about doing it. It was a male character and he was a gray and he laughed about doing it. And eventually they had to kill him to stop him from killing people. And he would just do it whenever he felt like it. He would just look at somebody and they drop dead and he would laugh and giggle. So he was in service to self. He was evil and he did evil shit. Then there was other aliens who were very spiritual and the CIA wanted to talk about technology. And they wouldn't give him any technology, but they wanted to talk about spiritual things. And they talked about the one. And this has nothing to do with the law of one. This has nothing to do with this storyline here. This was completely separate, but around the same time period, given 10 or 15 years between 1946 and 1956, maybe 10, maybe 58. Okay. So there was many different things that i have researched that i came across this is the story of why i call myself uh, show the, the orion rising in the book and why I, on orion rising the page on on uh, facebook when when i give the about i call i call it the way because i that was me what i called the way the universe was uh, put together the way the universe is the the laws of the universe but then the law of one came out, you know, I found that someone handed it to me and said, you need to read, you know, you need to read this, talked about it. And I looked into it and went, wow. Okay. And so then I realized that there was a lot of stuff that correlated with the things I researched on my, in my own, on my life that um, this book was talking basically about. And then here we have a story that she's saying that has some truth to it. Okay. That he was tricked by the old empire. And the. And now that this is where Melissa, you said it earlier, uh, because they' she's saying referring to as the old Empire and Ra referred to them as the Orion Crusader group. Okay? Julie, welcome. welcome. All right, so let's continue. So she's she's accurate in that they tried to corrupt the churches by giving that caste system which is still in play. But we now here at this time on earth for the past 30 to 50 years, uh, have started to realize ourselves in a different light. And we realize that all of us are in some way attached to, not just made from a piece of dirt, that we are, in fact, an immortal soul, and that we are and and are attached to the one true creator. And more than just we were created by that creator, because we are part of the creation. We are part of the creator. And that's what we're starting to realize, that we That's where I get the Orion rising. We as a nation are starting to realize our place in the universe and that we have control of this matrix. They know that. That's why they haven't just taken over. They can't. It's the same thing when we talk about politics now. When they go, well, why isn't the government just taken over? Because they can't. They can't. Or they would already have done it. They can't storm troop in. They know that if they do, too many people will fight back. They also know that it's contagious. Quickly, people don't trust our governments of the world. Right now, the human race is in that mindset. They do not trust the governments of the world. If the governments tried to pull a fast one and did it too quickly, there would be revolution. Different countries are submissive in different ways. The United States of America, we're very outspoken. We're very aggressive, and we don't cotton to anybody forcing us to do anything. Not everybody is that way. That's why we call them sheeple. A lot of people will just comply because they're used to doing that and they don't want to rock the boat. And then you have guys like me. Okay? And there's more of us than there are of the complacent ones. And you guys are among them or you wouldn't be here listening to my shit. You're just as defiant as I am. Otherwise, you you wouldn't be here at all. In some way, I either inspire you or you agree with me or you're going, you're speaking to the choir, preaching to the choir, because you're you're the, exactly where I am, okay? So this whole thing about slaves just do that because they're slaves, it's just not true. If they were, if slaves were always like that, you wouldn't have to whip them, you wouldn't have to beat them, and you wouldn't have to have guards guarding them, right? But she's trying to get into people's heads, but the things that she's saying here, she's trying to lay groundwork. That's why I say that I don't think she, you know, I think there was a, a crash, maybe there was a crash, but I think it was done on purpose. And I know of, uh, and if Jacob is still in the audience, he knows a guy and he's interviewed him. I'm trying to get an interview with him that he says he was one of the pilots and that they crashed the ship on purpose. That means they were on a mission to accomplish something. But the pilots left and either went back home or got recycled here and she didn't. She was uh, survived and this is her story. That's why I want to talk to that guy as well because I want to get his story. And this is her story. So that means she was on a mission. It wasn't a mistake. She was on a mission, not just to look for the people who are their people that are stuck on our planet, because they wouldn't have to crash and intermingle. So she was on a specific mission to land here, get caught, and then what? Spin a yarn of some, of some purpose to the people that were here. And that's what we're, we're reading here. So we're on to, the, to, I am anyways, I'm on to her, that she's a plant, and I know that she's here to, to spin some story. And that's what she's doing. She's basically saying, well, you guys are slaves. We're not here to stop, to stop that from happening. Uh, we're not here to give you, you're just slaves and slaves are slaves. And that's the way they are forever. So that means that she's in service to self and so is her entire kind. So what you have here is the old evil empire, right? Who thinks they own this quadrant and the new evil empire who's moving in on the old evil empire. And that's the war of the gods again. That's going on? And it's evil people against evil people. They will always eat each other, always. Good people make alliances. Evil people pretend to make alliances. They stab each other in the back because there can only be one king. And it has to be me if I'm the evilest one. And I'm not. You see my point? Every one of them is always looking for power. So they're trying to stab each other in the back to move up and take control, always. Good people don't do that. They vote people into office and then they make alliances and they make laws and rules and everybody lives by them and everybody's happy. They don't lock people up because they don't agree with them
1: the Jewish slaves who trusted the world of Moses implicitly have worshiped a single God they call Yahweh. The name Yahweh means anonymous, as the Isbe who worked with Moses could not use an actual name or anything that would identify himself or blow the cover of the amnesia prison operation.
0: Last... That's why, in fact, they, they translated that instead of meaning anonymous to I am in English for like the movies and and in and in the the bible. So so Yahweh means anonymous or the lack thereof, right? And so they just translated that into I am. So if you watch the movie with Charlton Heston, tell them I am sent you. I am that I am, right? Instead that was a wrong translation. This is more literal translation of the word but I don't think it's 100%. I think that my brain is telling me that it, it means something slightly different than what she thinks it means here. But it might be the spelling, right? Because then you had Joshua, and everybody thought that Yahweh and Joshua was the same. But Joshua is is one of the names that they called Jesus in one of the languages. Yahweh was not, right? And then you have like the, the ho, Hoboba or whatever, Haloba, Hoboba, whatever. Those are just different translations at the time of the word meaning either anonymous or I am. The last thing
1: the covert amnesia hypnosis prison system wants to do is reveal themselves openly to the ISBEs on Earth. They feel that this would restore the inmates' memories. This is the reason that all traces of physical encounters between operatives of space civilizations and humans is very carefully hidden, disguised, covered up, denied, or misdirected. This old empire operative contacted Moses on a desert mountaintop and delivered the ten hypnotic commands to him. These commands are very forcefully worded and compel the Isbe into utter subservience to the will of the operator. These hypnotic commands are still in effect and influence the thought patterns of millions of Isbe's thousands of years later. Incidentally, we later discovered that the so-called Yahweh also wrote, programmed, and encoded the text of the Torah, which, when it is read literally or in its decoded form, will provide a great deal of more false information to those who read it. Ultimately, the... See, again,
0: a little bit of truth, right, with many lies. So she's giving us some truths here, and this is, this is the stuff, like I said, I wanted to get involved in because there are some things that, separate from this documentation, I've learned over the years. Okay, so I've, uh, other people, like Raw, being channeled, claiming the same exact thing. Now, some people are like, oh, well, you know, it's just the CIA. Okay, so the CIA has this elaborate scheme uh, to do all this stuff. If anything, it would be the old empire channeling in to continue messing with us and giving us this stuff but why would they be giving us warnings that tell us everything we know is wrong if they're trying to confuse us and to stay in a sleep right that means that you'll buy into the whole the the United States government fabricated the whole alien story on purpose because they would rather have people believe that UFOs that's come from a fo- another world that have that make them their powers look useless, and that they can't defend us. They would have the people believing that the government is useless against an attack from outer space because they're working on secret programs to enhance our technology here on Earth to give us an upper hand over our current conventional enemies. That same person is going to believe the Earth is flat because that ta- that that attitude right there is completely opposite. And counterproductive, because if the population doesn't have faith in the government to defend themselves against anyone, even if there are fabled aliens, that's going to put into question, why are we paying these people? They can't defend us. They're useless. We don't need to abide by their laws, and we don't need to have them having any money. vote them out of office. No, we're not going to give you money for your secret projects. Do you see? So you're losing the faith of your own population because you want to get a stealth fighter? Or you can just say nothing to see here, move along, right? And then you move all the stuff, which is, you know, that's what they did. They moved everything either underground partially and onto other military bases. So there's nothing to see out there, but they love the fact that the people are still stuck on Area 51. Why? Because they're all standing around at the fences staring at Area 51. And there's 187 underground military bases in this country alone. So, you're all looking at one place where there's nothing there. That's the sleight of hand. That's the devil saying, Look over here. So, they wouldn't fabricate a story about aliens to have you afraid that you can't do anything about aliens and that our government can't either float that story because they're trying to hide the fact they're making a stealth bomber? What? What? (laughs) Come on. Come on, man. Use your brain. Stop being brainwashed. Use your brain. That'd be like me going to lie to my father. Because I'm trying to get my girlfriend pregnant and tell him that I got busted by the cops for larceny. I'd rather have my father believe I'm a felon and and, um, that I'm going to go to jail for larceny so I can get my pee-pee wet and have a baby. What? Come on, man. It's okay, Dad. She's not human. She's an alien I'm having sex with. Because that way, Dad's not going to get mad because I'm having sex with an 18-year-old girl. Right? I mean, come on. (laughs) You have to understand how outlandish and childish some of this shit is. First, the military says there was a downed aircraft, a spaceship, and we got it. And then they come out. No, 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 no. It was this weather balloon. That's all it was. Weather balloon. (laughs) And the guy's dumb enough to hold the piece of paper in his hand that 30, 40 years later, we were able to zoom in on and translate and and show it. And it's lie to these people and tell them by order of General So-and-so, you are to tell these people that it was not an alien spacecraft, that it was, in fact, this weather balloon. And, oh, by the way, take some weather balloony parts with you in there to to show them. So he got orders to lie, and he has it in his hand where we can see it. Maybe he did that on purpose, knowing that one day somebody would be able to zoom in on it, right? I want to just, this is, this is, I always say your name wrong, right? Cartartsy. I think you told me that's how you say that. Cartartsy. And she's saying, I just want to point out something here. I'll put it up on the screen for those of you who have visuals and I'll read it to you. I just want to point out something with Moses and his adopted people, the, the slave Jews, since there is so much lying. What if the Jews were not slaves? And that's a good point I didn't bring up. Thank you for that. Because I have, in my research... I have found that the the, sla- the Jews were not in fact slaves they were under contract that they were not slaves they were workers that were under contract but Moses was saying set them free because they were abusing their the people okay so so I believe as you do they weren't slaves they never were slaves I believe that I believe that they were that they were under contract and that they were just workers. But the problem is, they all moved in to work. They were being paid so much that they all moved in. It was the land of milk and honey, and that's what what happened. When you had the then you had the Muslims move in and take over their land. So when they came back, they were like, "Wait, this is our land." They're like, "You've been gone for a thousand years. This is not your land." And that's what started that whole fight that's been going on ever since over there, over the you know the uh, uh, Jerusalem and and all of that. Okay, but I believe they were not slaves at all. That was something else that was wrong in the Bible. There were many things. Uh, Mary Magdalene was not a whore. That was uh, one of the popes. I think it was the third or fourth pope after uh, Jesus died. And uh, and what's his name? Uh, Paul or Peter, whatever his name was, usurped the, the throne, uh, usurped the church. Then I, then I believe that uh, that, that was, it was, that's what it was. It was a pope later on called her a whore, and that stuck until 1969. And um, John Paul II, God rest his soul, um, I was knighted on the day that he died. I was actually standing in my uniform, my tuxedo and my uh my my regalia to be knighted because I was already a third uh third degree uh, night of Columbus and I was becoming a fourth degree. And that's when you actually get knighted in the sur title. And I was in the parking lot waiting to go in assembled. We were all, there was 87 of us that day that were assembled 80 something. It might've been 87, 84 or somewhere on there. And we were assembled to go in and everybody's blackberries and pagers started going off. Cause we didn't have smartphones back then. Uh, we just barely had, uh, uh, you know, cell phones. So our cell phones went off, our Blackberries went off, pagers went off, and was like, whoa, what's going on? And all of our family were calling us to tell us they were watching television and the Pope just died. And then they came out and announced it, okay? But John Paul II in 1969, he said, No longer will uh, Mary Magdalene be called the whore because she was not. There is no proof. So there's a lot of things in the Bible that have changed uh, names, places, times that they got wrong. Uh, I don't believe that there was anywhere that said the Hebrews were slaves except for uh, one person writing it in one of the things, and so that that became wrong, right? So, yeah, right. (laughs) Maybe she was a Virgo. That's hilarious. Maybe. Uh, Okay, so she wasn't a whore and then you know the jews were not slaves so there's a lot of things that we're finding out now that were misrepresented or uh wrong and wrong lost in translation um things like that you know like when they talk about jesus and his relationship to mary magdalene uh that dan brown talked about that in the da vinci code um and we've now since you know we found the writings of mary magdalene the teachings of i had a copy of it uh, and they elaborately—I'm not going to get into that details—but it's beautiful how they how they worded the text uh, or, for the screenplay about when he when uh, uh, Mary Magdalene was describing that they that she, her and Jesus kissed each other on the and the, somebody in antiquity tore that piece of parchment up where the next word was. So we don't know if they said they they kissed each other on the cheek, they kissed each other on the lips, they kissed each other on the elbow. We don't know because the next words in that sentence were actually torn out. So somebody didn't want the world to know where they kissed each other, which would imply that Mary Magdalene and Jesus were kissing each other on the lips. And he was, she was his companion. And today that means a buddy of mine who's hanging out with me. Right. That's a companion. Companion, literally when Jesus was alive, that word literally meant spouse. Okay? Most people don't know that. 99% of the population of this planet doesn't understand that mistranslation. The Hebrews do, but they well, they don't believe Jesus was legit at all. They understand the, the wrong translation there. They understand that, that they were married because in that religion at the time, you couldn't be in your 30s and be considered a, a um, teacher. That's the, what rabbi means in English. You could not be a rabbi and teach people if you were not married and had children or married and at least were having one on the way because you had to have, you can't give advice on a subject you don't know anything about. So how can you be a rabbi and teach children or teach marital counseling or teach people relations with other humans when you don't have any of those? So if Jesus was single He would have never been allowed to teach in the synagogues anywhere in that world because the religion forbade it. So Jesus had to have been married and Mary Magdalene had to be pregnant. That was Dan Brown's what if story. What if she was pregnant? And then she left and went to the South of France, which she did. And she showed up with a, with a person whose name was Sarah. And Sarah in, in Farsi means princess. Hmm. And why did this slave girl, who they claim that she said she was, grow up to marry a king? That doesn't happen, but she did. And she was able to talk to animals and heal people with her hands. And so were their children, the Merovingian king. Hmm. All right, let's continue here. Enough of of, of, uh, Western, um, you know, uh, religious fervor. As you can tell, I am a Christian minister and knighted by the Roman Catholic Church. So I do know a lot about Christianity and that, but, but I also know about other religions because I've made that one of my hobbies in life is to learn as much as I can about all religions so that I have his, history and all of that is just what I do. That's one of the reasons why, you know, I do this and I, and I go, wait a minute, Nefertiri, Nefertiti, that's different. Hymns
1: became the source of nearly all Eastern religions, and were the philosophical source of the ideas common to Buddha, Lao Zoroaster, and other philosophers. The civilizing influences of these philosophies eventually replaced the brutal idolatry of the old empire religions and were the true genius of kindness and compassion. You asked me earlier why the domain and other space civilizations do not land on earth or make their presence known land on earth do you think we are crazy or want to be crazy it takes a very brave isbe to come down through the atmosphere and land on earth because this is a prison planet with a very uncontrolled psychotic population and no isbe is entirely proof against the risk of entrapment as with the members of the domain expeditionary force who were captured in the Himalayas 8200 years ago
0: see so here again right she first she takes a shot at every religion that we knew about in 1947 Did you see her just do that every philosophical thought in your western minds around the world including the eastern philosophical thought they were all made up see so now she's saying all y'all shit is a lie you have no hope and you're all fucking psychotic Hell no, there's a signpost up there that says headhunters don't land here. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Melissa says, we are not, bitch. <laughs> you are. <laughs> she said, what, answering her saying that we're all psychotic. All right. So, I mean, it, these are the things you have to look for when people are talking. What are they trying to say without saying? And that's why I'm pointing this stuff out, because she's trying to say a lot more with what she's saying without saying what she's saying than she is with what she is saying. Right. And so instead of trying to confuse people by saying that, then I I give you the reference of verbal Kent because you can watch that movie and witness it happening and then come back and listen to this or read this on your own. And then you go, what? Leo's right. This woman is playing the CIA, playing this people, playing them like a fiddle, playing them like a flute.
1: No one knows what ISBEs on Earth are going to do. We are not scheduled to invest the resources of the domain to take control of all the space surrounding the area at this time. This will occur in the not-too-distant future about 5,000 Earth years according to the time schedule of the domain. At this time, we do not prevent transports from other planetary systems or galaxies from continuing to drop ISBEs into the amnesia four-screen area. Eventually, this will change. In addition, Earth inherently is a highly unstable planet. It is not suitable for settlement or permanent habitation for any sustainable civilization. All right. So
0: so here's the thing, right? This is like the most uninhabitable place on the face of the Earth. She's saying, if I owned hell and I owned this place, I'd live in hell and rent this one out. Right? I've said that I've literally said that about this. I stole that line by the way. That line came from Tombs in uh, The Chronicles of Riddick, and it was the second movie that was called The Chronicles of Riddick. The first one wasn't, but it was the second one. And um, when Tombs caught up with Riddick and he and he told them they were going to um, well, I can't remember the name of the of the uh, penal colony, um, but it was akin to the one in Star Trek, and I remember that one that was called Rura Pente. Um and but I can't remember the name of that one. And they were like, What what about this place? How would and he said this place is so bad that if I owned hell and this place, I would live in hell and rent this planet out. Right? Yeah, great movies, right? Yeah. Chronicles of Riddick is another storyline that you should watch because there's a lot there's a lot more going on than the action if you pay attention to the story and what's going on there. It's there's Cain and Abel is in there. Um there's a lot of different storylines that are in there, including Jesus. They, they paint Riddick as the Christ, um, the, the one returned who was defeat all evil, um, prophetic um, return of Jesus. Um, there's a lot a lot of stuff philosophically that's going on in there, including Mecca and the, um, the entire trip uh, to and from Mecca and uh, the religious aspect of, of all of that stuff. And then the conquerors, like um, the Orion Crusaders, coming down to conquer there's a lot of stuff that's being told in that storyline it's esoteric i'm going to do a a few shows i might do i might do end up doing shows just on each movie and show you that throughout the movies like i'm doing here and like do the matrix and then do the you know i mean or maybe just talk about that because i refer to all that stuff i point that stuff out to you not the negative stuff but the positive things all the time And, and i quote them from the different movies and i get credit to those movies and but i show you that that was what the intended was that's why the line was written in there for you to actually get that lesson. And so, and most of the time, most people don't get the lesson itself, um, they kind of do on the surface, but through osmosis, subconsciously, that lesson gets into your head. And at some point, you figure out the lesson. Uh, and that's what we do. I'm a writer, I've written three books. We do that, and we put things in there for you to get without knowing that you're getting them. Right? Bad guys do the same thing, evil people do the same thing, hence Moses with the Ten Commandments. Okay, they do the same thing. All right, let's continue here.
1: This is part of the reason why it is being used as a prison planet. No one else would seriously consider living here for a variety of simple and compelling reasons. One, the continental land masses of Earth are floating on a sea of molten lava beneath the surface, which causes the land masses to crack, crumble and drift continually. Two, Because of the liquid nature of the core, the planet is largely volcanic and subject to earthquakes and volcanic explosions. 3. The magnetic poles of the planet shift radically about once every 20,000 years. This causes a greater or lesser degree of devastation as a result of tidal waves and climate changes. 4. Earth is very distant from the center of the galaxy and from any other significant galactic civilization. This isolation makes it unsuitable for use except as a pit stop or jumping off point along the way between galaxies. The Moon and asteroids are far more suitable for this purpose because they do not have any significant gravity. 5. Earth is a heavy gravity planet with heavy metallic soil and a dense atmosphere. This makes it treacherous for navigational purposes The fact that I am in this room as a result of an in-flight accident in spite of the technology of my craft and my extensive expertise as a pilot are proof of these facts.
0: Tooting her own horn and my extensive expertise as a pilot prove these facts, right? So she's not incompetent. It's just it was so fucking crazy and tough down here that when she was coming here, even though she is the best pilot in the history of the universe. She still couldn't overcome it Will some come to it, and she crashed. That's proof. And I have to take her word for it.
1: Six. There are approximately 60 billion Earth-like Sun-type 12 Class seven planets in the Milky Way galaxy alone, not to mention the vast expanses of the domain and the territories we claim in the future. It is difficult to stretch our research. Wait, what
0: did she just say here? Right. Let's let's think about this. There are approximately 60 billion Earth like sun type 12 class seven planets in the Milky Way galaxy alone. Not to mention the vast expanse of the domain and the territories we claim in the future. It's difficult to stretch our resources to do much more than periodic reconnaissance of the Earth.
1: Resources to do much more than a periodic reconnaissance of Earth, especially when there are no immediate advantages to invest resources here. On Earth, most beings are not aware that they are ISBs or that there are spirits of any kind. Many other beings are aware of this, but nearly everyone has very limited understanding of
0: themselves as an ISB. One of the reasons that's true, and especially in 1947 in the United States. Right? My grandparents were not in any way conscious. They were not awake at all. They just lived. They weren't very spiritual. My grandmother kind of was. She kept a Bible and she taught us stuff. I met one, my my buddy's grandmother was the most spiritual person I had ever met until I was an adult. And she was of all full-on Christianity, and she was not awake. I wouldn't consider herself that. She was wise. My father was very spiritual, but he didn't go to church of any kind. He was very spiritual, and he was the most awake person, I, I think, even now. Now I've met a few and I've heard of a few, like like Edgar Tolle and, and Melchizedek and even the Dalai Lama. Those people are more awake probably than my father was, but my father was very, very awake right? Uneducated, book smart wise. He grew up on the streets, went to the military when he was like 15, joined the second world war, fought in the second world war, did odd jobs from that point on, didn't have a big career, made decent money for a person that was ended up in the last part of his life as a janitor. But he was able to, you know, he made more money than I did per capita when I was in my early twenties and I was making $60,000 $60,000 a year. And he was making that as in the 70s as a janitor. That's crazy, right? In the 80s, because he died in the 80s. Um, that's crazy. So he was making pretty good money. I was making 60 grand, but I mean, that's the equivalent to 150 grand now, right? 30 years ago when I was in my 20s. Okay. So let's continue here because there's this, you know, she's right. Nearly everyone has very limited, but nearly everyone has a very limited understanding of themselves as an isby. Now, if you just got here, an isby is a a soul. She didn't know what to call it because the soul itself didn't really say as much as what she's trying to get across because everyone is alive, everyone is consciousness, and they are being. You're not a being, you are being. There's a difference between being, by you know, I am a being or I am being. So her is b is you 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 are is, right? You is you are something. So she could have said are and but she said is b. So that's what she means when in raw, like raw considered to call that the the um, the spirit, body mind, uh, compilation, right? Mind body spirit totality would be the is be that's what raw called it mind body spirit totality meaning all those things combined your soul your body your mind make up the the one that you are right and this physical you take away that you take away the the body and the mind and you just have the soul that's what she's referring to as just the your being the is All right, right so let me continue here
1: reasons for this is that be's have been waging war against each other since the beginning of time the purpose of these wars has always been to establish domination by one ISBE or group of ISBEs over another. Since an ISBE cannot be killed, the objective has been to capture and immobilize ISBEs. This has been done in a nearly unlimited variety of ways. The most basic method to capture and immobilize an ISBE is through the use of various kinds of traps.
0: Now, I wanted to stop right there and go back and, and explain. And She's telling another truth here. People have been killing each other and trying to dominate each other since the invention of time. So she doesn't get into details there. That means that that applies, that implies that there was a time before time. Oh, let's put this up. That's a good question. I'll answer that. So that, but let me finish this really quick and then I'll put that up. So that implies there was a time before time began. Now, if you listen to the law of one, right, Ra talks about that. There was a time before we needed space, uh, time space and people were not ascending properly. They were sitting around aloof because they knew that they were part of the one. They knew they were going to eventually ascend back to become one with the one. So they weren't in any hurry. So then time was created. The mind wiping was created. The third dimension was created. So time space was created instead of space time. So she's right, but she doesn't elaborate on that, right? So here's the question uh, up on the screen here. Uh, Leo, tell me what uh, your view is on remote viewing. Is it evil to use one's abilities with the third eye? I'll stop there because there's another portion of the question. I'll answer that first, then we'll go on. What's my belief in in, uh, remote viewing? There's nothing evil about using any abilities that you have. That's part of the propagation by the churches to keep you controlled. And that it's part of what she's talking about, the old empire. We would say the, the Draco and the and the people of the powers that should not be the Luciferians who, who are living on this planet who are the rich and the elite and they believe they own it. They have to control you. And they, the more important thing is they have to control your mind. Because if you start thinking on your own and doing things of your for yourself, you start to break your own conditioning. Questioning is the fruit of life from the Garden of Eden, Eden. Question. Once you question That's you eating the fruit. That's you taking the blue pill. Is the blue pill the one that wakes you up? I think the red pill was the one stop means uh, go back to sleep. And the blue pill means wake up. That's what that is. That's the proverbial. And that movie depicted that the garden of Eden, your choice that you had in that was the same choice you have here in life. That's why I want to do that on the matrix. That movie is, is the same thing with the return of Christ the looking within, they show you that it's not somebody that's uh, outside returning. It's actually Neo looking into himself and finding his own path to God and that he is. There's your Isby, that he is. And once he does that, then they can't harm him. He controls the matrix. Okay, so using our abilities within the third eye or any abilities that you have, they had to deem as evil because they can't control it because each individual has their own abilities, and we all have the ability to have those abilities, okay? So let me finish what, what she had said here. It works when sleeping, as I have seen in the uh, purple uh, pulsating when awaking uh, during a dream. Yes, and the purple that you're seeing is the life force of whatever you're looking at or the life force of the inner, of the, of the universe, right? That color purple when you close your eyes, and if you can see that when you're meditating, you're actually, it's like the aurora borealis playing out in your third eye. You're actually able to see. And the more you look at that purple, that's when you start to get, because if you combine all the colors of the rainbow, what do you get? You don't get black, you get purple. Okay. So what you're seeing is an overlapping of all of the energies. That's all the chakras and all the chakras have the the colors of the rainbow in them. Each chakra is one of the colors of the rainbow. All of that is the building blocks of life. So any abilities that you have is not evil. It's only deemed so by the churches to keep you controlled. They need you in your thought mind. They need you in uh, stuck in your reality and conceptual thinking. This is the uh, uh, webinar that I'm doing and putting on. That's going to be coming up later this month that I have to confer the date, but I believe it's going to be the full moon or the day prior to the full moon. Uh, of this month in September, the 23rd or 24th, whatever the full moon is there, it's between the 21st and the 24th. And we're and it's literally called, is your reality uh, holding you back? Because it, the reality that we live in is the conceptual reality, okay? And they need you to be stuck in the conceptual reality because you're not thinking outside the box. You're not thinking, right? What pill did I take, right? Well, you're here. That doesn't, so you're. I mean, you're here, then you're stuck here. So the the what pill you take is what you're supposed to decide here. Okay, so so what you're what what you're here to do, what we're all here to do is choose. Well, not only that, but the basic thing is we're here to choose whether we're a good or a bad uh, um, soul. And that's 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 making the choice between good and evil. Then you have to make a choice to either wake up or not. Right. So you either stay complacent and you never wake up and you're in you're in the conceptual reality inside this this uh, avatar. Or you start to wake up to something other than this. And once you do that, it's that is the first step of avoiding the trap because, you know, it's there. Once you start to realize that you're not just inside this body and I can and I can do this. I've done Melissa did it. I've done it with other people. And I'll tell you guys all to do it right now. Everybody that's listening to the on the MP3 file or the MP4 file where you're seeing visuals. This is what I want all you guys to do right now. And I want to show you the difference between the being caught in in this reality that we're in and actually seeing yourself and being present as you not as this avatar. It's a very simple thing to do. I want everybody who can hear me to, to get yourself in a, in a a place where you can close your eyes. So if you're driving and listening to me, please pull over to the side of the road, right? Don't, don't do that, or come back and do this later. Uh, but if you're in a place where you can do that, what I want you to do is I want you all to close your eyes, and and do and I'll be doing this while you're listening to me. Then I'll tell you to continue, and I will stop, and there will be a moment of silence. Okay, and this is where I want you to continue. So I want you to do is I want you to sit to where you're comfortable. I want you to be able to close your eyes, and I want you to have everything turned off. So if you have television on around you, just not turn off this because you have to hear me, right? But I, there's try to get no distractions, and then close your eyes, and I want you to just inhale through your nose. And you can even just exhale out your nose if you will, if you would like. But what I want you to do is only focus on your breath. I want you to feel your breath going in your nose, in your lungs, when you're taking the breath all the way in, right, as far as you can go, and then release that breath. And I want you to feel the breath coming out of your body. And then I want you to continue doing that and then inhale again and bring all that air in and focus only on that breath that you're taking and what your body feels. And then then what I want you to do is I'm going to stop talking now and I want everybody to continue doing this for three more breaths. So I'm going to give you guys about 10 seconds of, of cold air and I want you to inhale and exhale About three more times, full inhalation, full exhalation, and I don't want you to focus on anything but the breath that you're breathing, starting now. now i want you all to ask yourself what was i thinking about while i was breathing and your answer should be nothing because i was focusing on breathing while you were doing that you were present for the first time probably maybe not but you were present in the now as you not your avatar not your thinking mind not your pain body, but your presence. That's who you are. That's what people do when they're trying to meditate. That's where you're trying to get, okay, is to that place. And that was a quick meditation. That's an easy one. And we all know it because the saying is, whoa, 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 man, slow down. You just need to breathe. That's what they're trying to tell you by saying that if you stop everything and you just breathe and focus on the breath and realize that, yeah, amazing, right? (laughs) Yeah. You realize at the time that you're just believe you feel the life coming into you as you inhale and you feel as you exhale that, you know, instinctively that there's, there's carcinogens and things that you're exhaling to get rid of that are not good for you, but that feeds the plants. And the plants then exhale the oxygen that feeds us. It's a symbiotic relationship. But while you're in that moment, there's no thoughts at all. You're just alive outside of this avatar in the presence of just yourself. So it's a simple thing to do. You don't have to sit and meditate for hours and hours and hours to do this. Literally, you can do it in 30 seconds or less. Some people do it. I watched a pitcher. There's a pitcher that pitches for the Oakland A's. His name is Romo. That's his last name. And he was up pitching. And before every pitch, he would get set and he would stop, look at the the guy while the guy has given him the sign. As soon as the guy got the sign, he would quickly inhale through his nose deeply, exhale, and then he was ready to pitch. He got himself set, grounded, centered, calmed. In the now present, then throws the pitch. And he's one of the greatest closers that have ever played the sport. He does that every single pitch. Right? So, right? Yeah, feel yourself falling in. So it, it is, it's an amazing feeling when you do that because you're literally experiencing the now. You've surrendered to the now, to that moment. Okay? So that right there is breaking your conditioning and the mind wiping, because you, do right there, you realize that there's more to you than this flesh body. There's more to you than the thinking in the head. There's more to you than this conceptual reality that you're in because you were so far inside yourself just then that you were at your higher self. You were actually out of your body experiencing the sensation of the life bringing oxygen in this body. Now, And you weren't experiencing it as the body. You were experiencing it as yourself. That's what we try to achieve. And the more you achieve that enlightenment, that space, the easier it becomes to do. And eventually you can train yourself. And this is the key. Train yourself to reside in that place always if you can. And you know that you're there. When you look around, you know you'll see people that are there. I don't know if you've noticed, even though I was talking while I was doing that, that now I'm speaking differently, far less aggressive than I was a minute ago, because I also did the same thing you guys did. And I'll bet you, if you open your, your, your mouth and start speaking out loud, you'll realize that you're talking different than you were before, because you just hit a reset button and you just experienced yourself as a higher being, not trapped in this pain body. So yes, it's a good reminder. So remember that anytime that you feel anxious, you're, you're worried about something, you're upset about something, breathe. That's what that saying says when people go, dude, you need to just breathe. That's what that means. You need to stop what you're doing and breathe and pay attention to your body breathing and your body resets itself and it calms itself. Your mind calms itself. Your spirit calms itself. You surrender to that moment. You give over all of reality to peace, inner peace. And then you can proceed further until everything works you up again, because that's what it's designed to do. Bombard us with negative, 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 ah, fear, negative, ah, ah. Everything is designed for that. All the TV that we watch, the movies that we watch, the radio, the Internet, the news, all of that is designed to do that. Your dad did this all the time. See? Your dad, you didn't even realize how awake your dad was. Stop and breathe, right? Your dad may have even uh, t- took a few seconds, close. My father used to do the same thing. I didn't know what he was doing until I got older. He would stop, he would sit down, and he would, and he would just he would close his eyes and he would he usually put one hand up over around the back of his head like a pillow. It was weird, <laughs> but he did it. He'd go sleep that way. But he would literally just go <sighs> Right. Whenever you go to a any kind of drum circle meditation session, if the person is a good rabbi, a good teacher, the first thing they're going to have you do is that breathing exercise. Because that calms you, it centers you, it grounds you, it changes the energy of all your chakras because you're moving into your higher self, which is the crown chakra outside your body. Do you see? It's getting you out of your body, out of the pain body, out of the conceptual reality, out of everything, and up into your third eye, up to the crown chakra. So using your third eye, this is where I was going with all of this, Cart's question earlier. They don't want you using your third eye because your third eye is, in fact, slightly higher than you think it is. It's part of the crown chakra, which is outside of the body. Right? Um, There was a, a video by a band called tool that you guys should look at and i I believe it's um it's it's parabola look that up and watch the video because the video literally shows the evolution of the octave that we are going from the beginning of consciousness until waking up the higher self and you see that play out at the end of the video and it's very visual and i and and i'm I'm thinking about playing the video and just explaining it to people because it's i gave it as homework to a a couple of different groups that i'm in They're spiritual and i haven't really gotten back any information that not understanding it it was a test to see how many people were awake and how awake they were because they would understand it at the end of it you see the a person like the the vitruvian man standing there but you see this Their eyes open, like when the third eye opens, you see these eyes open, and they open in the palms of the hands. They open in the third eye on the forehead. And then there's this energy that comes slithering into the feet of the person and their eyeballs, one in each foot. And it shows that traveling up through each chakra, both eyeballs go to the center of each chakra, cross over and go out and start climbing. It's the kundalini energy. And the realization of oneself as that self is starting to ascend through the chakras up to the third eye and then expanding out to the universe and that those two eyes come together as one at the third eye and then they raise up and then there's these millions of eyes that come out of the top of the head and go out to the universe and that's where the song ends. And that is literally the progression from, the spark, the pneuma, the breath of God, the spark, all the way through to ascension, to gravitating, gravitating, uh, or gravitating your uh, vibration to expanded consciousness of the universe. It's a great video; you should look it up. Great song too, but it's you know it's it's heavy metal, so some of you might not like the dark riffs uh, of the band. But the band is in one of the most brilliant, if not the most brilliant, rock band in the history of the universe with the if you listen to their lyrics and watch their visuals in their videos uh it's insane i love that band always have since i heard of them okay turns your hair white yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) wait what is this what advice would you give i didn't see the question because i was talking let me put this up on the screen what advice would you give someone to practice so one can leave the body and be aware and able to astral travel um that's that's a little bit harder because Astral travel is not an easy thing to do. That takes the meditation part. You have to do that part to get yourself into that position. Like I was just showing you that with the breathing and you have to do that with the intention of wanting to do that. Then you have to visualize and, and realize the colors that you're seeing. Okay. Realize the colors that you're seeing. I know I I would love to for for you to do classes. I am thinking about doing that Um, I am currently uh, working with the guys in Australia to um, be a speaker in their um, October or November um, a webinar that they're doing and and I'm going to be doing exactly that uh, uh, Getting classes together and uh, when I do that I will announce that to you guys and we'll have you guys be able to come in and we'll do like a zoom call um, where we can, you guys can sit on the screen and see me instead of just in a chat like this, uh, or we could do it like this. It depends on, on how, you know, what, whatever. And then I will be doing that. And I, I have a curriculum. I'm already writing, uh, so that I can start from the beginning and, and progressively move through different things. So any of you guys out there who have ideas about that. Go ahead and float them to me because if I don't already have them, I would love to know what you guys would want to know about. Because right now I'm guessing by what I have learned in my life. So that will that will happen. So now the astral travel, um, you have to continue doing what we're doing and get to that point. You have to put yourself into that place, which means that you have to do meditation, because you can, you can set this up, as you are talking about before when you are sleeping, because that's where most of the travel happens. Uh, you can do it when you're conscious, but your body will do it even more so when you're sleeping. You just have to set it up so where you have the memory of it happening. Uh, and then you can also do it during the daytime. So I would suggest meditate. You have to put yourself in a situation, a place where you can uh, set comfortably. Where you don't even have to touch yourself. Not touching yourself is better than touching yourself. So people, unless you're uh, advanced enough to where you can sit in a lotus position with the with the fingers uh, touching and stuff like that, because those are those create an energy arc in your body. If you if you can do that, do it. But if you can't, you haven't worked up to that. Meditate without touching your body so that you can you can practice leaving your body and not feeling it. Okay. And so this is how you should start by setting to where you're nothing of your hands or feet are touching another part of your body, like in a chair with arms. So you can have one hand on each arm, right? And you can put your feet square on the ground and sit there. And then what you want to do is you want to do that breathing exercise and pull yourself up to that point in your head and then be aware of your body and be aware of not being in that body. And what you do is you start with the crown chakra, your head, and you start to move down. And as you do, you separate yourself, what you feel as the body from who you are, and notice that, the, that you're not in that avatar right now. And you will literally feel like your body will almost start to feel numb. You will feel separated and not attached to that body. That's the first step. And you do that going all the way down to the, literally to where you, your feet, you feel that same feeling. And then try to stay in that place as long as you can. That's the beginning of astral projecting, eventually, or astral traveling. Eventually, then you'll be able to leave out of your body and travel. Um, your body will start to do it for you when you're sleeping. So, you will, so you'll be able to do it there, and you'll have memories of uh, sometimes, whoa, you just woke up. A lot of times you'll get slammed back in your body. If you go out too long, you can't get lost. People will say, you can get lost, never come back. There is a tether That your soul is tethered to this body, so if you go too far, it'll yank your bed. It'll yank you back in, or if you're gone too long, your body will yank you back in. When that happens, you'll know it because you'll swear to God when you woke up, you were in the air, not laying on your bed, in the air, and then you'll go bam, and you'll hit, and you'll hit the ground. (laughs) That's what it'll feel like. That's you coming in hard. That's what we call it. It's you coming in hard. Okay, so. Uh, so, but that's the beginning of how you can do that. And your body will start to do it on its own. And then eventually you'll be able to, uh, to do that. Yeah. Kids are learning this stuff a lot faster than we are. Absolutely. So Melissa, you said, that's not true. Was that something that I said that you didn't agree with? Or, uh, I'm not sure what that, what that was. Um, oh, tool is amazing. Yes. Thank you, Julie. I love tool. Right. So, okay. So Dennis, yeah, you said that you're, you you know, you'd love for, uh, uh, first, do classes every time I watch you. I'm, I'm ready for anything, yeah. Thank you. Uh, and, well, that's what I hope. I hope that me being here and doing that, that you know, um, no getting lost. Oh, oh, you're saying, that, yeah, you can get lost, but you, but you will always return, right? And Melissa, you will always return. It's not, you can't get lost and never come back. That's not true. You can't get lost and never come back, and you can't get lost and come back and have somebody occupying, uh, possessing your body. That's not how it happens right? The universe isn't set up like that. That's so you have to invite someone in and then you have to move over for them to be there. You have to allow it. So they can't just come in and push you out. The devil can't come in and possess you like the movies, but they want you to believe that. Why? Because fear, fear of leaving your body keeps you in it. See, these are little, little things that they're doing. They tell you, if you communicate with anybody using your mind, that's the devil or demons. If you don't leave your body, because if you do, you leave it unguarded. That means that any demon or devil or the devil himself can come in and possess your body. That's a lie to keep you in your body, in your mind, in your pain body, in this conceptual reality and afraid to leave it or expand your mind past the boundaries of this slave body. It has nothing to do with somebody locking us here as a penal colony or creating us here as a penal colony. The one who did that is you, me. God, the one true creator, which is who we are a part of. We created this scenario for us to go through. Errol just talked about a time before there was time. People have been killing each other since the beginning of time. If you have a beginning of time, that means there was a place where there was no time. Right? You can't have reality without something starting it. Right. Oh, you know, you're getting, yeah, you're getting the tone. See, and that the tones in your ears, if you get the tone and it's on your right side, that's always your guides communicating with you. That's also could be your higher self communicating with you. Right. So then if you get them on the left side, it's usually a warning or if it sounds like it's negative, it's because it is. You have the negative on the You They have the you know, everyone says, says we have the devil on the left side, the little angel on the right. That's true. The devil on the left is your ego trying to stop you from doing all of this because ego is in service to self. The ego wants you worshiping it. Okay. And that's what your, your, that's your, your your egoic self wants you to be egoic and, and be completely in, in service to myself. Whereas the little angel on the side is your conscious, right? Your consciousness, right? It's your conscience, not your consciousness, but your conscience, and the conscience is leading you away from the ego and then you also have guides that speak to you from that side it's polarized that way so that we always understand instinctively whether it's good information or bad information coming in okay and it never it never wavers whether you're left-handed or right-handed i'm left-handed and the and the information still comes over my right shoulder okay that is a it's a polarization that is as part of the laws of the universe So that there isn't a a craziness of, well, mine do left-handed and mine does right-handed, mine's upside down, backwards and purple, but that is not that way. You'll find that, and I've done shows where I've had many people from around the world talk about the same subject and the same information that we've gained without knowing one another, yet we've all gained the same exact information. Oh yes, there are different tones. I'm sorry. Melissa said, no, I mean, there are, there are six different tones. Yes, there are different tones. Uh, and if you can discern them, way to go. we haven't talked about that. You can actually tell that there are more than one. Um, you, what you need to do then is, f- is figure out what each of those tones means. Right. Cause it might be that you have a different tone for each individual guide who's guiding you, or they might be tones that mean certain things that they want you to understand. Right. So, um, yeah, I, so I am planning, thank you for bringing that up. I am planning in the future and I'm, and I'm doing a list because I am going to be doing classes, uh, you know, where people can, can come and would, and we talk about all this stuff and we're going to go from the basics all the way through to, from everything, including the chakras, the, all the whole nines uh, and, and how to, you know, clean yourself, how to protect yourself. A lot of the videos I've done, I deal with that. I made two videos called the defense against the dark arts one and two. Yes. I took that from, uh, from Harry Potter, uh, knowing that that would get more people watching it. But that was what it was about the same thing, like his class. Only his class was just about magic and dark magic, where I was talking about that and spirituality, uh, that you need to learn how to protect yourself if you're going to use any kind of uh, energy, whether it's in a magical, magical way or a spiritual way or a mundane way. You need to learn to protect yourself because as you rise, your vibration, you up in octaves, you become a, a bigger target. You're, you're, you are you're become brighter and people see you with that indigo um, uh, color. And that's where you get that. People are saying indigo, fairy fire, blue light stuff, where you're coming through and you're this indigo, uh, um, uh, a child star seed. That's, that has nothing to do with when you're coming through, except for unless you come through with that and you weren't coming through before that. But everyone can achieve that once you're here. It's a vibration that you're going through when you get, up from the red through the yellow, through the orange, and you're going to the green and up into the, the blue, the indigo. When you hit that level, you vibrate at that level and people see you as that color. That's where those people are that are, that are uh, called, uh, you know, even the blue avian race. That's what they, so when they say, Oh, you're a, you know, you're a, a, a star seed, uh, uh, indigo child. Well, yeah, that means they vibrated that. That means that they're already, in that and the truth of it is that was what you need to achieve to graduate from here is just to vibrate in the indigo and then when you get past the indigo that's where you see the purple why were you told that because you you are already vibrating at that level here's here's what has happened anyone who has volunteered to come back here so that means i would say to you that means you are not indigenous to your soul your immortal soul is not indigenous to um, this world. You're, you're more than likely a wanderer like myself. You have already graduated from the third dimensional plane. But you heard the call of these people being stuck and you returned here and got mind wiped. When that happens, your soul doesn't get wiped completely, but your memory gets wiped. So you're still vibrating and that's why you probably have problems. Right. Anybody who has problems, you have problems with your body, it doesn't fit right, it doesn't work right, there's something off about it, you have autoimmune problems, you you know that your body, I I don't fit in this body, all these people around me seem to fit and everything works for them, but I always seem to feel like I'm out of place. It's because this body you're in is not designed for your vibration. You're already vibrating at a rate that says, I'm ready to graduate, I've learned everything I need to know when you are vibrating in the indigo or above that in the purple, you should be leaving here already. Okay. And then, and then Melissa says, uh, same then crystal, right? So, and there's, there's the other thing. When you, when you're vibrating properly and you get your chakras vibrating properly, they start to crystalline. They start to become crystal in your body, your heart starts to become crystalline the energy from your heart and that's that's where the creation comes from it's not all the way it's not in your in your mind it's not in your head it's not it's it's actually from the heart the heart chakra everybody shows as the middle of the body when in fact that's the most powerful chakra of all the other is just a perceived until uh, as a reality perception but love is the heart chakra And that's actually more important to have in the right place than even the indigo or the purple, whatever color you would want to call that, um, because those come with the realization of the reality. So you realize the reality around you and you vibrate at that. And when you become aware of that right? You become aware that I am something more than this. And you, then you start to attune your body, you start taking better care of yourself, you're going to eat better, you're going to sleep better, your, your all your habits are going to change, your tastes in music, your tastes in movies, everything's going to change because now you're coming at this world from a higher plane, from a different place. So you're not stuck in the low vibration of some of the stuff that you did here before when you were younger. You, you find now that you just don't need that than you did before, but you don't need that. Okay. So once you get that vibration above to where you're seeing things from that purple place, once you're in the indigo, you can graduate from here. When you die in this lifetime, you can choose to not come back. But what happens is if you're a person who chose to come here, you're going to come back. You'll be reborn somewhere on the planet as someone else, man or female, and it'll still be you in there. And some part of you will be in there and you'll develop a personality. And at some point, hopefully you'll remember that you are. And then the same process happens again. And just by doing that and being here, you're already vibrating at a higher level, which is a positive higher level. Just you being alive on this planet, whether you do nothing at all, if you are an indigo, then you will help raise the vibration of the planet just by occupying an avatar here. Being completely unaware of it, you still do good. Then if you become aware of it, you're obviously putting energy to it, so that means that you're putting thoughts to it, so you're, you're changing the reality on purpose, and that gives a, a better rise to the rest of the people. And there's, there's billions of, of what they would call indigo uh, starseed children. And that's people who have returned here. They're not from here, indigenously. And some are. Some were born here, grew up here, and then graduated and then decided to come back. And that's where they try to tell you that there's a trap and a lie, that when you go out there, they convince you that you're on a mission to come back and that that mission itself is also a lie. Why? Because that this is an evil person who is trying to help take control of this planet and keep it under control. So they're going to lie to you and tell you, that that's a lie just to get you to come back. And if they can convince you of every fuck like that, well, it's, look at all the stuff Errol just said to us. You have no hope. Trapped here. Slaves. Slaves are stupid. Slaves lay down by their very nature. All of your religions are a lie. Everything you know is a real lie. Even the one true God is a lie. Even the, the idea of going through the light into heaven is all a trick and a lie just to keep you here. And that's how stupid you guys all are here. She didn't say those words, but that's what she was saying, right? She is very childish. What was that? What does that tell you? She's, she's supposedly from a place where she's ascended to energy. She should be so wise there if she were in service to others and she would speak differently. More like say raw was speaking, but she's still coming at us from what I would consider a three-dimensional thought process. She's being very low vibrational because why she's in service to self. So even though she claims that she is just a light being, she's using words, language and attitude of your normal average evil dictator or a star in Hollywood or a politician. She talks no differently than any of those. That should tell you something. The Dalai Lama, who is on this planet, speaks higher thought than this alien does. And she's supposed to be a trillion trillion years old. What does that tell you about the universe? It tells you what I think or or my my namesake, Colonel Jack O'Neill, who became General Jack O'Neill and Stargate and Stargate SG1. He saw these supposed gods as no different than a drug-dealing thug on the corner of Los Angeles downtown no different and everyone else was afraid of them oh my god they're god should we talk to them like that yeah that's what i do yes she is she's positive and nice about herself but not if she's talking about anything else other than her at all absolutely because it's all about her it's all about their domain it's all about power and control we're not we're not even want to come down here cuz it's so harsh you guys are insane we don't ever know what you're going to do. You might just murder me. She didn't say that, but that's what she inferred. Look what happened to the people who were here at that base. They got caught. And now they're stuck here with all you guys. <laughs> Think about how she's speaking there. That's why I'm doing this show on this. I'm not trying to say that what she's saying is all lies because it's not. There's a lot of stuff here that I know from other research that they didn't know back then and they couldn't have. And the same thing goes for when I did the Law of One. I was showing you the things they were talking about back then in the 80s that they couldn't have known yet because they didn't know those things until 2015. And I show you that. There's no ways they could have made that up. Same thing with this. There's things here that are discrepancies and there's things here that are not. And there are things here that people have said uh, and other places that I have yet to have anyone else say, but me, no one else has, has witnessed the things that I have witnessed. Now I'm not saying I've witnessed things that no one else have, except for like the conversations that the CIA was pissed off about because they wanted to be spiritual. I talked about the one over and over that kept coming up throughout my life of investigation from many different people, insiders, outsiders, documentation, documentaries, right? Books, where different people would say, this is what I was told from this guy who was a CIA agent. And they said they had a problem because of this. And I remember those things. I have a good memory. I have a total recall. I don't have eidetic. I wish I did. I have total recall. So I remember these things. And when I hear somebody else say it, I go, wait a minute. That was, I heard someone say that in a different book, like 20 years ago. I heard that somebody said that in a documentary last year. Was there a reference from the book 20 years ago? And I start wondering these things. Is there cross-pollination here to where these people are getting this information? That's why I was really concerned about the date of the release of this information and and, and also talking about that in the Law of One. It was very important when it was released and what they could have known at that particular time and what we now know and, and whether or not there's a discrepancy or a corroboration. And here both have happened. Okay. So now I'm almost two hours into my one hour show and we talked more about spirituality than we did about the alien <laughs> interview. <laughs> right. So that's why, you know, so, by so I apologize if any of you got offended that I wasn't doing as much on the alien interview as I should, but I feel I go with what I feel you guys need and what I feel that is needed to be said. So sometimes, Just like this, we got derailed, but this was information that you guys wanted to know, right? So just know that I I will do that as well. You know, know, maybe I'll I'll set a time and say, we're going to talk spirituality, whatever you guys want to talk about, and then we'll do that. But yes, I am planning on doing classes, organizing this stuff, okay? So let's just stop here, right? Two hours and two minutes and 13 seconds. Uh, I'll jot that down. And so that's right at at, uh, Chapter 8, Part 2, only a couple of pages past that, right? So let me put that down and, but the whole practice and the whole purpose of this is for these stimulating conversations and to show just exactly, um, you know, what this person, I believe, ring out some of the stuff they're saying as falsehoods um, or showing at least the stuff that, uh, what, what I think is that, you know, her being deceptive and where I think that's happening and why. Right. And then also point out the things where I think she's trying to be deceptive, but she's giving us information and insight into. So my psychological background, my spiritual background and, you know, hunting aliens gives me the perfect mindset to be able to jumble all this around and play with it. And that could be completely wrong. And you guys could be listening to this and thinking that I'm just making it up. And I'm a stupid idiot. Well, that's the case. Then go somewhere else, man. Don't, don't bother us. Right. But if you do think that what I'm saying is compelling, uh, you know, please tune in and please feel free. Those of you who are on the MP3 file, I feel for you guys because you guys can't get involved in the chat. And that's why I want to figure out somehow of doing that. One of these days where you guys can hear me live or you guys just need to tune in uh, on one of these classes. That's why I wanted to start that because there's a big audience that I have worldwide. I'm sure they have questions for me, but they only listen to me on the MP3 file because they don't like, you know, uh, Facebook or YouTube. Or they don't have time for that. So they just listen to me speak, right? Those people I'm sure have questions. Some of them contact me on Messenger, email me and stuff like that. Feel free to, you know, I, I try to answer people and have conversations with you as when I can right? I will answer. Sometimes they'll answer right after you said something. Sometimes it'll take me a while. Some people get a little annoyed because it takes me a day before. And sometimes I don't, they don't notice that somebody sent me something and I don't realize it's there. And then they go, oh, crap, you sent me this two weeks ago. I apologize. I just got this. And here's, you know, the answer to that. Please don't be angry. You know, sometimes that happens, right? But most of the time it does not. You can ask some of the people like Melissa and she knows because I talk to her a lot. You know, a lot of you have actually sent me uh, messages. All right, guys. So we're going to stop it there. We'll pick it up. Uh, next week i'm pretty sure like i said i'm not doing anything on my birthday so i'll come on we'll have some birthday fun we'll do a little bit of this and who knows maybe we'll just chit chat and bullshit and have fun either way i'll be on next week but i'll still try to do some more of this we'll continue to do this alien interview until we get all the way through it it's a four hour thing we're just now halfway at two hours right it's a little over four hours so we still have uh, plenty of time. And then I'm just going to continue from there. I might start doing the esotericness of movies. I might literally pick a movie apart and, and uh, you know, play bits and pieces of it and, uh, and you know, or maybe get the whole movie and do the same thing. Start the movie, go scene by scene and stop it and talk about it and show you the esotericness of what the writer and director were trying to give you. Right? So Namaste, you guys. Have a great night. I'll see you next week. And I am going to be doing some news coming up this week. I almost came live last night, but I decided not to. I was on, I was talking to Melissa and then I was talking to family. uh, So I ended up not going live, but, but I I will be, I don't go on. I try to keep the weekends either just doing webinars or off. So know that I very rarely come live on the weekends unless it's on someone else's show. Okay. And and you're welcome. I try to I try to answer the questions. That's why we do this live, so that when you guys have questions, that's what I'm here for. Uh, and I can talk to just about any subject because of the, the background that I do have. Some people think that I lie about my background, but I don't because every I'll tell you where you can look at my, look my stuff up, <laughs> right? Or I'll show you the licenses that I have. So that I can put it on screen, on the camera right? So I don't lie about this stuff, you know, and people who don't have, and I'm not one of those people that tries to brag about everything that I have. If you go to my pages, you won't see me saying, I'm this and that and that and this and that. Some people have to put that out there all the time. That's their egoic mind. But I will say it so that you know that what I'm saying comes not from a place of just some guy who thinks he knows what he's talking about, right? I have a background, I have a education You know, I I am clergy. I have gone to school for that. I am a chemist. (laughs) I went to school for that. Right? I was knighted by the church, literally. Right? I hold many titles that way. You know, I would be considered a Merlin. It's the same title. I am a Jedi Knight. It's the same title. They're just titles of a religious or or philosophic or or spiritual background. So I, I own those titles. I have them. You can look them up in the different countries and the different places. they're they're all unfair listed you can look at my name and see that i have that i'm not lying about that some people get annoyed with that you know i'm a reiki master teacher no you're not yeah i have this license i can show you (laughs) people get annoyed with that i I was talking to somebody and i said something about cooking uh, and she said of course you cook and i was like what do you mean by that right is that like something that's you know oh of course yeah you cook too well i do I went to a culinary academy when I was younger. I didn't graduate, so I don't have, like, a, you know, a cooking degree, and I'm not a chef. But my family were. My father and my uncle, they were, they were cooks. They were chefs. So I learned how to cook from a cooking family, and everyone in my family cooks, and we do it very well. I'm not a chef, so I can't go to work as a chef and make all kinds of money. I could be a fry cook somewhere, right? But I don't like cooking. It's hot. I like cooking at home. It's hot, but it's good to cook good food. It doesn't mean that I'm going to try and lie to you and say, I'm a chef and I could get paid a million dollars for it. That's a lie, right? Not, but I cook good. All right, guys. Namaste. Have a great night. Have a great weekend. This is Orion Rising. I am your host. You know, I should stop saying that because I'm not just the host. I own this. <laughs> that's why I can go as long as I want. I'm the producer, director, uh, you know, writer, producer, director, uh, the host. Uh, I do all the editing. I do all the videos. I do all the marketing. All of that's me. One, 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 one band. One man band. All right, guys. Uh, have a great night. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening or good morrow, depending on where in the world you are tuning in this show. Namaste. And I'll see you next time.